Again, friends, and welcome back to our podcast, Saving Christianity. This is episode 15 in our bi-weekly series, coming to you every other Tuesday from Christian Family Online, and I'm your host, John Shields. In the two previous episodes, you may recall, episodes 13 and 14, we talked about infant Christians and the infant Christian problem. We talked about how a person becomes a Christian, and we talked about the problem that all new Christians start out as infant Christians. And we said that infant Christians are real Christians and will go to heaven. But here on earth, infant Christians are not spiritual They're not living a little bit of heaven while they're still here on earth. And that's why, that's the explanation, that there is so much trouble in today's Christianity. Too many Christians today are infants. And that's why attendance is dropping in the denominations. That's why many denominational programs are irrelevant and boring and hypocritical as all of the research reveals. And so now we've arrived at episode 15. And the title of this episode is The Growing Christian. That's right, The Growing Christian. And it's in this episode that we're going to talk about how Christians can start living what we refer to as their early Christian lifestyle of peace and healing and hope. And this is a lifestyle that the first Christians lived when Christianity was first founded. But let's pause before we start, before we go any further, let's introduce our co-host, you know him well by now, Owen Allen. Welcome to episode 15, Owen. Well, thank you, John. Great to be back for good old episode 15. Hello to all of our friends out there in podcast land. And let me tell you something, uh, John and our trusty uh, producer, Shannon, sitting here with us. Uh, I'm really glad to be here because spiritual growth is a serious subject that needs to be seriously talked about. Yeah, for sure. Now, something I want to stress, we've said consistently throughout these episodes that becoming a Christian, uh, as they say in the in the uh, signboards and uh, church marquees, uh, getting saved is the most important thing that any person can do. And so we stand on that and could stop there, as many people do. But at the same time, spiritual growth is what gives Christians the most benefit here on earth. Spiritual growth is what gives Christians the most supernatural peace, healing, hope, miracles, and guidance here on earth. So, The problem we have, John, you've already referred to it, Mm -hmm. becoming a Christian only creates an infant Christian. Becoming a Christian only creates an infant Christian. It doesn't create a growing Christian, and yet it's growing Christians who have the most supernatural peace, healing, and hope, John, as you just said. And, and, And influence. Yeah, Yeah. that's exactly right. You know, the most important thing a person can ever do, certainly, is to uh, get right with God and a right relationship with him. And as the Bible refers to it, and a common way to understand it, we talk about being saved. Mm -hmm. And that, uh, that, that gets us ready, or we're able to go to heaven. And uh, certainly, there's not anything more important than that. But Maybe they're maybe not uh, more important, but very important. Mm-hmm. If there's more to life on earth than just waiting to die and go to heaven. And Jesus taught that the kingdom of God on earth means 
we should have some of heaven's joys while we're still here on earth. Well, and that's right. That's true, John. So that's really the problem that we're trying to solve with these podcast episodes because, as we've said in previous uh, meetings, today's Christians Mm -hmm. are not being taught how to live what we're calling the early Christian lifestyle. Yes. Or at least they're not being taught it clearly enough and long enough and often enough. You know, John, uh, Christians were taught how to live that lifestyle in the first century. Yes. We're going to talk about that in a minute. But they're not taught how to live it today, at least, as I said, not completely enough. And so here's the weird result. Mm -hmm. Many Christians today remain infants all of their lives. Right. Think about it. Many Christians live their lives here on earth and die and go to heaven all as infant Christians, all as infant Christians. And the sad news is that includes a lot of pastors, priests, elders, deacons, choir leaders, praise team leaders, musicians, and all of the other denominational employees that we have today. Yeah, Owen, and I'll just throw in, and and that is just a very uh, light reading of the New Testament that is totally, and I emphasize, contrary <laughs> to what the New Testament in its entirety teaches. Totally. Yeah, but, but Owen, you know, we're still in shock from the story you <laughs> told in the previous episode, the tragedy about the pastor who took a rope and committed suicide in his own sanctuary. And I've actually, oh, and I, I didn't say it in the last episode, but uh, I have, uh, I know uh, there are other situations that, that just as tragic uh, that, mm-hmm. that I, I won't take the time to tell. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about the solution. Yeah. Remember, from the very beginning, we said we were going to be solution based. Yep. Yep. And so the solution to spiritual growth is for Christians to know what and how, really, that creates that that behavior, that first-century behavior. Exactly. The key is behavior. And I pray that all of our friends in podcast land right this minute get this particular point, John. Mm -hmm. And here's the point. Understanding what creates our behavior, as you just said, Mm -hmm. is... Listen to this, the answer to all of our questions about Christianity. Mm-hmm. I could never get my questions answered growing up until I studied behavior. Listen, because when you read between the lines, what the early Christians were really teaching was the principles of behavior. They were teaching why Christians do the good and the bad things that they do. Mm-hmm why Christians do the good and the bad things that they do. Right. And, and Owen, oh, today we tend to worry, and we've, we've really got off balance here. Yeah. Uh, certainly right teaching matters, mm. but not at the exclusion of right behavior. Amen. And the early Christians worried about uh, how Christians behaved yeah. and uh, speak about it all the time in all of the letters. They worried more about the good and bad behavior than they did about uh, good and bad doctrine. Exactly. But you exactly. Can, and, and, and Owen, you can have uh, great doctrine and uh, behave like the devil. Absolutely. <laughs> and I know somewhat did. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, that, that's totally true, John. I mean, you have to laugh to keep from crying. Mm-hmm. So, so let's obey now the three ground rules that we established for this podcast way back in episode eight when we said that we were going to define all of the key words that we were using. Mm-hmm. So let's define now this word behavior for our friends, and here's our definition. Let's slow down and get this. Behavior is a response to a situation. It's a physical reaction to a personal situation that's triggered by an internal motivator within a person. Now, that's a mouthful, but still, 
uh, in any high school or college class of psychology, this is what you'll be taught. Uh, behavior is a response to a situation. But we're filling it out by saying that response is internally motivated, uh, triggered by an internal motivator. Yeah, Owen, oh, and I love that the example before us here today, uh, it's, it's something that uh, most everyone can identify <laughs> with. Behavior, especially these days, is what often happens when people drive a car. Mm-hmm. And you may say, well, what does that mean? Well, the response to the situation is often what we call road rage. <laughs> Absolutely. That's funny, John. But actually, actually, driving a car is a good example of Christian behavior. Let's imagine Mm -hmm. two Christians are driving to work one morning and suddenly a rude driver cuts them off in traffic. Now, watch this. The first Christian driver smiles and waves at the the rude driver. But The second Christian driver frowns and shakes a fist at the rude driver. Now, what, what has happened? What happened there? Notice carefully, two different Christian drivers had two different responses, but to the same situation. Now, why would that be? After all, both drivers were Christians, so why didn't they both have the same response to the same situation? Yeah, that's a great question, Owen. And we know the answer to it from previous episodes. The two Christians had two different responses because each of them obeyed a different inner motivator. Ah, now we come to some meat that a lot of people have never thought about. Only a different inner motivator can create a different outer response. Mm Mm-hmm. So here's what our friends need to think about and hopefully remember. The most important thing about any Christian in this life is his or her motivation. That's the difference between an infant Christian and a growing Christian. Infant Christians uh, are obeying an inner motivator that creates negative outer responses. Mm -hmm. That's what happened to the person that shook their fist at the drivers. A growing Christians are obeying obeying an inner motivator that creates positive outer responses, and that's why the other driver smiled and waved at the rude driver. Yeah, I want to repeat that principle. Mm -hmm. The two Christian drivers had two different responses to being cut off in traffic because they each obeyed a different inner motivator. Well, that's right. The, and first, know, the first driver, you're saying, mm-hmm. he obeyed or she a positive mm-hmm. inner motiv- motivator. Mm-hmm. And the second obeyed a negative inner motivator. See, right. and, and we see that uh, in, in real life in the fact that the positive driver smiled and waved, mm-hmm. and the negative driver frowned and shook a fist, mm-hmm. and yet, and this is the scary part, mm-hmm. they were both Christians. Yeah, and they both had bumper stickers that said, follow me to church. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, see you in church on Sunday, right, that yeah. kind of stuff. Well. So, John, our, our friends will remember that on a previous episode we had, we were showing the spiritual growth charts. And remember, those spiritual growth charts showed that Christians have two inner motivators, mm-hmm. not just one. Their first motivator, and in most Christians that's their main motivator, is their selfish human nature. And in our charts, it's colored black Mm -hmm. because it creates negative behavior, not only in non-Christians, but also in Christians. The second motivator, and only Christians have this one, is the indwelling Holy Spirit. Mm. The Holy Spirit is colored white in our charts because he creates positive behavior in Christians. Yeah, that's true. And that's really, it's a simple, but it is a profound concept. Mm -hmm. And by the way, we have that same chart right here in the script 
um, at about, uh, let's see, at about 16 minutes into it. And it's also on page 107 of the book, Saving Christianity. Exactly, John. And when we look at that chart, here's the big difference from previous charts. We see that the left side of it now, the left leg of it, is Mm -hmm. colored white. Now, remember, in Christianity, the color white always symbolizes the Holy Spirit. So the left side of this chart is revealing and showing the fact that all Christians are indwelled by the Holy Spirit, and he's their second motivator, and he has the power to resist the negative motivations of our selfish nature. Yeah, which is obviously the primary point, Mm -hmm. uh, one of the primary points he's given to us. Yes, hallelujah. But when you look at the chart, Owen, most of it's still black. And so that means that this Christian's selfish human nature is still his or her biggest motivator. Hmm. And then that means that his or her behavior is still mostly selfish. So this is the chart of an infant Christian. Yeah, this is what the early Christians call Christian infants. All new Christians, no matter their actual age, mm-hmm. were considered uh, infants. Nepios right. was the Greek word. So that's right. But look, now let's apply this chart, as we just discussed it, uh, to the story of the two Christian drivers we talked about a moment ago. The Christian driver, Christian driver, Mm -hmm. who frowned and shook a fist at the other driver would have had this kind of chart. It would have been mostly black. Mm -hmm. But here's a key point. The left side of that chart would still be white, showing that this person is indwelled by the Holy Spirit, is a Christian, Mm -hmm. and is bound for heaven. Mm -hmm. John, let me say something here. Many denominations say that if a Christian uh, makes a bad mistake and does something wrong and evil, that they were never saved in the first place. Mm -hmm. See, a lot of denominations don't recognize and don't admit that Christians can do negative things. Uh, And and that's an oversimplification Mm -hmm. and really um, an injustice of being done to Christians. So the fact we need to see, very important, is that a, only a small portion of the Christian's mind, and this chart we're looking at, is colored white. That indicates the Holy Spirit is only motivating a very small a part of this Christian's mind. Said another way, the Holy Spirit is not the biggest motivator, I call it the majority motivator, of mm-hmm. this Christian's outer behavior. So what does that prove? Here's our proof. Here's our rule. Mm -hmm. All Christians have some positive behavior. Mm -hmm. They just don't have enough. Right. And that's why the average Christian today, according to Gallup polls, is no more spiritual than a non-Christian. Why? Because the average Christian today is not letting the Holy Spirit motivate enough of his or her mind. Yeah, and Owen, I, that just that statement alone mm. answers so many questions. So for our listeners, let's summarize. Uh, This chart proves that infant Christians have two motivators in them. One is black, and it's their majority motivator, and the other is white, but it's only their minority motivator. Yeah, yeah. And that's a that's a big deal. It is. I mean, the, what, the stuff we're covering right now, John, is stuff that, in my experience, in my life, mm-hmm. uh, you you don't hear anywhere else. Nobody else is teaching this. So, uh, and this proves a fact that many people don't understand. I said it a minute ago. Mm-hmm. All Christians can and do behave two different ways. 
all Christians can and do have a daily mixture, let's call it, mm-hmm. of positive and negative behavior. Tragically, though, mm-hmm. the point we're making uh, today is that mixture is mostly negative in infant Christians. Yeah, and again, that's why Gallup polls, and let's bring it a little closer to home. If you have any interaction with people who are, quote, professing Christians, end quote, (laughs) it shows that the average Christian today is no more spiritual than a Mm non-Christian, and that should shock us. Mm -hmm. And it's because there is a reason for that, Mm -hmm. that today's average Christian is an infant Christian, Mm -hmm. and that means that the biggest motivator internal motivator is their selfish human nature. You know, John, I'm going to say something um, uh, off script a second. I'm involved in a situation right now in a major Christian denomination where there's great unrest and gossiping and all kinds of trouble among the choir members. You know, I'd never heard this till I met my wife. You know, Joanna uh, has been a professional choir leader all of her life. And one of the first things she ever told me was the music department in any congregation is the war department. The war oh, department. Yeah. And I always thought that was cute, but sadly it's true. Yeah, for sure. Because that's where your jealousy, your pride, uh, who's going to solo, who's going to sing what part, yada, yada, comes up. And what is that? Selfish human nature. Yeah. So, John, right here facing this crisis, this is a good time to introduce the poetic language that I love so much of the Two ways. Yeah, I love two this. Ways. One. This is yeah. great. This is this part of Christian history is wonderful. Yeah, well, you know, and many many Christians probably have never heard the words I'm about to read mm-hmm. because they're not in the Bible as such. They're in a first century training manual that the early Christians used to train new Christians. But John, I've always thought these opening words to that manual are some of the most poetic words ever written by early Christians. And Mm -hmm. let me read them to our friends now. Here they are. And I quote, two ways there are, one of life and one of death. And there's a great difference between those two ways. Mm -hmm. Two ways there are, one of life, one of death. And there's a great difference between those two ways. Yes. Then, of course, following that poetic opening, that training manual, which written in the first century, goes on to teach exactly what we're teaching, John, here in episode 15, that all Christians have a mixture of two ways of behavior. Mm-hmm. And let's summarize them again. First, all uh, Christian behavior is motivated to some extent mm-hmm by the indwelling Holy Spirit. The early Christians call that following the way of life Mm -hmm. because to them the word life meant spiritually alive behavior. Second, all Christian behavior is motivated to some extent by the selfish nature. The early Christians call that following the way of death because to them the word death meant spiritually dead behavior. Yeah, let's repeat those two ways. So when Christians are infants, when their behavior is being motivated in the majority by their selfish human nature, and Christians are growing spiritually when their behavior is being motivated in the majority by the indwelling Holy Spirit. Right. We all need to look in the mirror and know that we have a mixture Mm -hmm. of positive and negative responses to life as we go through each day. And, you know, and I think our friends uh, need to know this. The uh, the same teaching, the two ways teaching we're mentioning, is actually taught in nine different books of the Bible. Mm -hmm. It's just taught there in different words. Those poetic sentences that I read are not per se in the Bible. On top of that, 
It's also taught in Christian letters that were not included in the Bible. That's also why the first Christians were originally called followers of the way. Mm -hmm. They were called that because their behavior was spiritually alive, like the two ways manual is teaching. And listen, when you analyze Jesus's teachings, Mm -hmm. he was teaching spiritually alive behavior the same way the two ways manual taught. And finally, of course, the Apostle Paul was teaching the very same thing. Yes. And we've also talked from the beginning about the importance of synonyms Mm -hmm. in Christianity. And the early Christians used a lot of synonyms in their writing. And they had several synonyms for behavior that was the for behavior that's motivated by the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And they call it the behavior of life, of light, of holiness, and of the fruit of the Spirit. Glory. Yeah, and looking at the flip side, the negative side, some of the mm-hmm. synonyms they use uh, in the Bible and in their letters uh, were that the selfish human nature is the behavior of death and darkness. Jesus used that a lot. Mm-hmm. And infancy and the works of the flesh. Yeah. So so now let's to o- go back and to obey the three ground rules we agreed on back in episode 8. Mm-hmm. Let's define the fuzzy term spiritual behavior. And we define it the way the early Christians defined it and that is important. Mm-hmm. What is spiritual behavior. Totally. A lot of Christians couldn't define that right right at the moment. Well, first of all, a little earlier in this episode, we said that normal behavior, including uh, non-Christians and uh, infant Christians and all kinds of Christians, normal behavior is a physical reaction to a personal situation that was triggered by an inner motivator within the person. But now we're trying to define spiritual behavior. That's the behavior that the indwelling Holy Spirit creates in Christians mm-hmm. when, and I might say, and if, they let him motivate them. Right. And I think the easiest way to define that, John, is to read a few more sentences from our book, Saving Christianity, and I quote, What the indwelling Holy Spirit produces in Christians is an outer behavior of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Yeah. So Christians who are growing spiritually are going to respond to daily situations with that kind of supernatural behavior. And that kind of supernatural motivation only comes from the indwelling Holy Spirit within Christians. That is so important. Yes. And now let's look at the flip side, the negative side. Let's define unspiritual behavior in Christians. And remember, we're talking about behavior coming from real Christians. It's just that it's coming from the Christian selfish human nature. So let's quote again from the book, quotes, the outer behavior produced by the flesh The selfish human nature is obvious. Mm -hmm. It's obvious, says Paul. It's adultery, fornication, lust, shamelessness, idolatry, drug abuse, hatred, strife, excessive excitement, rage. We talked about road rage. Mm -hmm. Excessive ambition, division. Envy, murder, intoxication, carousing, and all other such conduct. Now, John, we're Mm. not saying that Christians run around murdering people. Mm -hmm. We're just saying that is what the selfish human nature produces in all humans, and to some extent, it produces it in real, true Christians. Yeah. So so Christians who are not, if we are not growing spiritually, mm-hmm. then we're going to respond to daily situations in the natural <laughs> with anger and envy 
and parting, you name it. Mm-hmm. And these emotions are, are coming from where? Our selfish human nature. Right. Uh, as difficult maybe that is to swallow, mm. it's the truth. Well, now, John, you know there's some denominations that teach if you answer an altar call and get saved, you no longer have a selfish human nature. Mm-hmm. But that just is not true. No, clearly. Your, your practical life experience tells you that is not true. Well, so this comparison of the two ways of living that Christians uh, can behave and can live shows how different Christians can be. Mm-hmm. It shows the big, big difference between a Christian who's growing spiritually and an infant Christian who's still being motivated by his or her carnal nature. Yes. Well, so here are the two things that has led us to this now, mm-hmm. two things that all Christians should be measuring. What percentage of each of these two powers is motivating us during the day? What percentage of our daily behavior is motivated by the indwelling spirit? But then what percentage of our behavior is being motivated by our human nature? Mm -hmm. Because, Because if our human nature, we decide looking in the mirror, Mm -hmm. is our majority motivator, hang on, Mm -hmm. we're not growing spiritually right yeah so let's oh and let's give our friends a solution Mm -hmm. Uh, let's tell how christians can start to grow spiritually and that solution is the supernatural experience that the early christians called spirit filling glory 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 well and john we're going to slow down again and be very careful for the next few minutes because The supernatural, I emphasize that word, the supernatural process of spirit filling is one of the most important experiences in Christianity. And yet, sadly, Mm. I might point out, it's also one of the most misunderstood experiences in Christianity. Yeah, that's right. Spirit-filling is another of the amazing promises that Jesus made before he returned to heaven. And he made it to the crowd in the temple in Jerusalem during one of the feasts that they held annually. Mm, He did, and I think we should quote it exactly the way Jesus said it. Mm -hmm. Standing in that temple, surrounded by that crowd, Let's read it from the book. Here's what he said, and I quote, He or she who believes in me, as the scriptures have said, will have rivers of living water flowing up from within him or her. Mm -hmm. He or she who believes in me, as the scriptures have said, will have rivers of living water flowing up from within him or her. Mm Mm-hmm. And, you know, John, our friends can read that promise in their own Bibles. It's in the book of John, chapter 7, verse 38, one of my favorite scriptures. But to fully understand it, we need to remember that water, water Mm -hmm. is one of the symbols of the Holy Spirit in early Christian writing. So Jesus was promising the people in the temple that soon they would be motivated by the internal Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. He was saying that after Christianity was founded, because he made this promise before there was any Christianity, that came later. Mm -hmm. He was saying that after Christianity was founded, the Holy Spirit would be a river of supernatural motivation flowing up from within Christians and filling their minds. In other words, he was prophesying the process of spirit filling, Mm -hmm. meaning the Holy Spirit could fill our minds and produce spiritual growth in our lives. Yeah, that's one of the most incredible promises ever made in history. Totally. And it came true on the day of Pentecost, Mm -hmm. as we saw in episode 13. Mm -hmm. So Christians are only different from non-Christians in one way. 
And that is a Christian can be spirit-filled and can grow spiritually. Non-Christians can't, can't be spirit-filled and can't grow spiritually. And and that's the dividing uh, line there. Mm. <laughs> and that's a big line. Yeah. That's a watershed, yeah. a, a continental divide. It's right. And now we have another chart, uh, John, showing this. And as a matter of fact, it's right here in this script. Uh, it's somewhere around uh, 36 minutes in. And it's also on page 127 of our book, Saving Christianity. I'm looking at it now. Uh, and it's half black and it's half white. And mm-hmm. the chart shows that there's a tug of war going on in Christians who are growing spiritually. Think about that a second. Mm-hmm. It shows the Holy Spirit on the left, colored white, and the selfish nature uh, on the uh, right, uh, colored black. Uh, and it shows that both are trying to be the dominant motivator mm-hmm. in this Christian's mind. You know, John, yeah. Peter wrote about this, but uh, a lot of growing Christians are double-minded. Right. They're spiritual one day and carnal the next, mm-hmm. <laughs> depending on which motivator is winning the race on that given day. Yeah. So there's two issues facing growing Christians. First, now, what what can we do to be spirit-filled? And second, how can we know that we are spirit-filled? Mm-hmm. That's two biggest. Yes. And let's remind our friends before we get to that that it is God's will. Mm-hmm. It is God's will for all Christians to be spirit-filled. Why? Mm-hmm. The answer simple. God doesn't want the kingdom of God on earth made up of only infant Christians. Right. <laughs> he wants the kingdom of God on earth made up at least of some spiritually growing Christians and hopefully all of them. Yeah, yeah, and that's a fact that many people have never thought about, unfortunately. Yeah, and so how do we know that? How do we know that spirit filling is God's will? We know it because the early Christians taught it. One quick example mm-hmm. is a letter from the Apostle Paul. He was writing the Christian small groups in the city of Ephesus, Turkey, and he told them to do something very interesting. Here's what he told them, and I quote, be filled with the Spirit. Mm-hmm. Be filled with the Spirit. Now, our friends can see that in their own Bibles in Ephesus chapter 5, verse 8. But here's something very surprising. Paul wrote these words in the Greek command tense. We don't have that tense in English. But in the first century, that was the tense that army officers used to issue orders to their troops. So Paul wasn't giving the Christians in Ephesus a suggestion or Mm -hmm. a recommendation Mm -hmm. or a hint. He was giving them a military-style order. He was saying that it's God's will for all Christians to grow spiritually by trying to be filled with the Spirit. And that tells us two things. Mm -hmm. One, all Christians can be Spirit-filled. Two, all Christians should be Spirit-filled. Yeah, I just want to uh, add, it's Ephesians 5, okay, in the New Testament, mm-hmm. Ephesians 5, and it's verse 18. Yeah, beautiful. Now, I think our friends should know that in the original Greek word, the one that Paul used for filled in this verse means to fill to the brim, to possess in full measure, or to be complete in every respect. Man. <laughs> filled is a powerful word yes. in the original Greek. Our friends ought to stop and think a minute. What would it mean to be filled to the brim with the Spirit, to have Him in full measure, mm-hmm. to have His power completely in every respect? My goodness. Mm-hmm. But I know that we should even be a little more specific with our friends. We're still talking about how, H-O-W, mm-hmm. how Christians can be spirit-filled. What's the process? And to help explain that, let's now introduce the 51% rule. Yeah, we should for sure, because the 51% rule is an important part of the process. And Christians immediately 
see the principle involved as soon as someone tells them. Yeah, I've never mentioned this, John, to another Christian that their eyes didn't light up and they say, wow, I never thought of that. A Christian see the 51% rule immediately because we all use it in everyday life. That's just the rule that says Mm -hmm. 51% of anything is the majority of that thing. 51% of anything is the majority of that thing. For mm-hmm. example, if you own 51% of the stock in General Motors, you're the majority stockholder of General Motors. Mm-hmm. But here's something. The same rule is true in chemistry, insurance, finance, law, medicine, and many other fields. And so we're also applying it as a measure of Christian spirit filling. Mm. Well, how does all that work? Here's how it works. When the motivation of the Spirit floods up within us and influences 51% or more of our minds, we're Spirit-filled. And if the Holy Spirit is influencing us but less than 51% of our mind, then Mm -hmm. we're being influenced, and that's a good thing, Mm -hmm. but we're not filled. Right. And that's why Christians today are not spiritual. Right. They're being influenced by the Spirit to some small percentage, and that's a good thing, but they're not filled with the Spirit. Yeah, it's a starting point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's important to remember that every Christian is influenced by the Holy Spirit to some small extent because all Christians are indwelled. Mm-hmm. And so you, you, that the Holy Spirit mm. is all part of the salvation, making it possible. Yeah. So all Christians, uh, by virtue of that, would have occasional spiritual experiences. But all Christians don't have spiritual experiences every day <laughs> like spirit-filled Christians do. And you can see that just uh, makes sense. Yeah, and you know, John, uh, and uh, I tell my story earlier in one of these uh, episodes uh, that I was a Christian from the age of 11, but I was never spirit-filled, had never heard the term, didn't know what it was until I was in my 30s. Looking back on my life, I was in the Marines and uh, in college and various things that I did, and I can see that uh, the Spirit had a very small influence on me Mm -hmm. uh, during those years, but it was only in my 30s when I was Spirit-filled for the first time that I realized what Christianity really is. It's a supernatural walk on this planet. Yeah. Well, let's review the two things we want to measure then with spirit filling is how much of a Christian's mind is filled. And number two, how long is that Christian's mind filled? And those two measures can tell us whether or not a Christian is growing spiritually. Yeah. In simple words, we're saying that when the Holy Spirit is a Christian's majority motivator, mm-hmm. The majority of the time, Mm -hmm. he or she is growing spiritually. Mm. And that's how we live the early Christian lifestyle that we've been talking about from the beginning. Yeah, from the first episode. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, And now, John, as we approach the end of the episode, let's be sure that we finalize the two questions about spiritual growth we're trying to answer uh, in this episode number 15. First, how are Christians spirit-filled? And second, how do Christians know know they're spirit-filled. Yeah, right. We need to answer those two questions completely before we close today. Yeah, so here's the first one. How are Christians spirit-filled? The good news is it's simple, easy, and obvious Mm -hmm. for all Christians. How do we know that? We know that because in the first century, shepherds, Camel drivers, slaves, bizarre traders, even older children were all spirit-filled. How'd they do it? They did it because they had three things, and they did 
one thing. Yeah, that sounds like one of those three-in-one TV advertisements we see for cleaning products, Owen. (laughs) Yeah, I guess so. You're going again with your jokes, John. Mm -hmm. All right, let's call it the three-in-one process for being spirit-filled. Here are the three things that the early Christians had. They had a desire to be spirit-filled. They expected to be Mm spirit-filled, and they asked to be spirit-filled. And then the one thing they did is simple. They prayed constantly to be spirit-filled. Yeah, that's exactly right. But here's here's what's scary. Mm -hmm. If you ask the average Christian today if he or she is using this three-in-one process, most Christians would answer no and not only that, I think they would they'd also answer, I don't have any idea what you're talking about. <laughs> and that's a global tragedy. Wow. Tragedy doesn't cover right. it, man. That's a worldwide tsunami of mm. negative stuff. Well, here's something cute. Let's nail down the prayer part of the spirit-filling process. In the book, I tell a story of a man who once asked me what words he needed to use Mm. in his prayer to be spirit-filled. I told him four words. Mm -hmm. He was shocked. Mm -hmm. He said, what four words? Here are the four words Christians need to use. Quotes, fill me, Holy Spirit. Fill me, Holy Spirit. Yeah, it's that simple and that profound and amazing. But Jesus promised us in Luke, in the New Testament, in chapter 11, verses 9 through 13, that everyone who asked for the Holy Spirit, Mm -hmm. guess what? Gets the Holy Spirit. So we know those four words work. Absolutely. And now, John, let's close our last question. Mm -hmm. How do Christians know? I hear this a lot. How do Christians know that they're spirit-filled? Well, the short answer is they feel it. Bingo. (laughs) And that's the answer. Spirit-filled. That's the point of it all. Spirit-filled Christians feel it. That's the mark and the sign of a spirit-filled Christian. Watch this now. Spirit-filled Christians feel something that nobody else feels. Mm -hmm. Non-Christians can't feel it, and infant Christians don't feel it. And that's exactly, or actually, one of the main reasons for being a Christian while we're still here on earth, it's to feel the wonderful feelings that spirit feeling gives us. Mm-hmm. And then from that, uh, the, the influence that how God uses that yeah. in this very, very dark world. You know, John, we miss the fact that the whole point of Christianity is to be a supernaturally powerful spiritual movement on the planet, mm-hmm. and we never think about that. Yeah. And, and let's, while we're doing this, let's remind our friends what these unique feelings that we're talking about are. As we just said, they're supernatural. What does that mean? They cannot be. Mm-hmm. They cannot be produced by human nature. Right. Uh, By definition, if they're supernatural, they can only be (laughs) produced by the indwelling Holy Spirit inside of Christians. Correct. And and let's remember that we're explaining how Christians know their spirit field. Mm -hmm. They know it when they feel. Actually, I mean, so think about it. Love, joy, peace, patience. Those are things that you experience, the wonderful supernatural feelings that non-Christians can't feel. And that infant Christians don't feel. Yeah, and let's talk about the what does it feel like. Yeah. In chapter 11 of the book, Saving Christianity, we've got a whole chapter we're going to talk about um, what the early Christians call the fruit of the Spirit. Mm -hmm. And we've already mentioned it, uh, the fruit of the Spirit, several times in earlier episodes uh, because that is what Christians feel when they're Spirit-filled. Yeah, and feeling the fruit of the Spirit is the acid test. Mm -hmm. It tells us the degree to which we're Spirit-filled. So just think, the more you feel the fruit, 
the more you know your spirit field. Yes. And we've already mentioned the fruit of the spirit in five earlier episodes. That shows we think it's important. Mm-hmm. We, in fact, we mentioned it in our very first episode of this podcast, and we discussed it at length in episode 11 a couple of, a couple of weeks back. And we and we already described it once in this episode. <laughs> we did, we did. So to close, let's give our friends another complete description of what the early Christians call the fruit of the spirit, what the spirit produces in us. And again, this is from Paul. And uh, let's flesh out a little. It's probably an unfortunate word. Let's mm-hmm. round out a little mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, how he defines fruit. And I quote. The fruit of the Spirit is supernatural, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And so if we live spiritually because we're indwelled by the Spirit, then let us behave spiritually by expressing these feelings in our daily lives. Yeah, and I know we're going to talk about about all this more later, but our our friends, we want to remember that the word fruit in Bible Greek means the result of something mm-hmm. or or what something produces. So Paul is saying that these wonderful feelings are what the Holy Spirit produces in us. Yeah, if and when we let him. Yes. <laughs> Well, and you know what, John? I just want to say this, and we'll, we'll, I'll save my ammo for a, a later episode. But the point is, these feelings of the fruit of the Spirit are absolutely wonderful. They do. You do have one foot in heaven when you feel them on earth. You're never the same mm-hmm. uh, once you've tasted them, and you never want to give them up. But I see from the big clock on the wall that our time's up, uh, John, in this episode. Uh, But I want to tell all of our friends to remember that the whole point of being a Christian in this life before we go to heaven is to feel the wonderful supernatural feelings that we call the fruit of the Spirit. And all we have to do is to pray constantly to be spirit-filled. And remember those four words we practiced earlier, fill me, Holy Spirit, fill me, Holy Spirit. Yeah, that's right. And our friends out in podcast land should also remember that in this episode, episode 15, and the script and recording of it uh, are on our website at uh, www.goscpod.com. That's G-O-S-C-P-O-D dot com. Indeed they are, John. But for now, this is Owen Allen. And this is John Shields with our producer, Shannon Wolf saying, May the God of our fathers bless you and keep you and guide you and protect you until we meet again. <laughs>